Welcome to the FinTech Today podcast with your host, Carlos Cabrera, where everything is unfolded from FinTech news, personalities, and stories just for you. Hello, everyone. This is uh, Carlos Cabrera, your host for uh, FinTech Today. And uh, I have a very special guest today, Daniel Ruke. He is a uh, elite the Business Development Alternative Assets Department. And uh, he has a lot of experience also in investment banking as well as management consulting. At the moment, he's with uh, Symbiont and uh, we're very excited to have him here today because he will give us his views in blockchain and FinTech and walk us through all the new things that he's doing at this moment. Welcome, Daniel. How are you? Hey, Carlos. How are you? Thanks for having me on. Thank you for taking the time to talk to us. Yeah, sure. Anytime. So tell us, what, um, what, uh, how do you see uh, Symbiont uh, New Ventures in agribusiness and uh, all the great things that you guys are doing at the moment? Yeah, I think like, uh, so. the nice thing about uh, what we're working at Symbiont is that we, we cover a, a wide array of projects. Uh, Symbion is covering stuff in everything related, as you mentioned, for example, tokenizing of commodities in agricultural markets. Uh, we've also, uh, we also do a lot of stuff within the financial sector. So we are actually actively building a platform uh, hand in hand with uh, Louis Ranieri, which is a platform for uh, mortgage servicing. So it's a platform that's gonna have multiple banks, mortgage servicers, as a way of fixing what, at least in the US, it's essentially a broken, a broken system. There's a lot of inefficiencies when uh, mortgages get sold and bought by other banks. Sometimes it's a spreadsheet that is sent, in some cases even a box of documents. So by putting the blockchain, we're, we're bringing this industry to the 21st century. Uh, aside from that, uh, within fixed income, we're doing different stuff. Uh, for example, uh, we, did a, we had a press release last year related to the issuance of an asset back security on-chain. This was actually done uh, hand in hand with a Fortune 500 issuer that was actually issuing their own ABS security. And what we did was we mirrored that process of how that issuance in the real world would have been on the blockchain. And the, the net result of it was that instead of taking several weeks, it took essentially 45 minutes plus the off-chain KYC uh, checks. So, I mean, that, that, that was enough to convince everybody that it, it made sense. This project was also done hand in hand with uh, Vanguard, Citibank, Bank of New York, Mellon, and State Street. And similarly, later that year, we also had um, another press release related to a proof of concept of smart collateral. What we mean by smart collateral is in the over-the-counter derivative market, you have uh, these contracts that are traded between different, different banks or simply counterparties. At the end of the day, the counterparties need to, get, uh, need to gauge what is the market value of that contract, what is called market to market. If either side is underwater versus the price of the contract in the market, uh, you need to post collateral to the to that to the, uh, that party that is underwater needs to post collateral to the other one. So right now, the way it works, at the end of the day, they agree on what the, what the value of the contract is. They agree on what collateral needs to be moved, and the collateral is moved. Sounds simple, but that actually takes like the whole night, and that's why it's only done at the end of the day because both sides need to agree on what the value of the of the contract is, and there may be discrepancies there. Uh, the collateral needs to be sent, needs to be confirmed, and the type of collateral needs to be confirmed. 
So and, with and, risk. And, <laughs> sorry to interrupt you, uh, Daniel. Mm -hmm. Like in terms of, of what you're mentioning, do they, do they say our listeners, the fintech executives, what so that they understand the, the, the importance of all that uh, you're mentioning here, what would be the, the downside if this collateral is not well assessed and is not balanced? It's essentially market risk. So the problem is that because of inefficiencies in the market, then the different financial players, they need to, they need to set up counterparty risk limits. So those limits are, uh, they, they, they could be lower if the risk involved with dealing with the counterparties uh, were mitigated. So what we're doing actually by being able to calculate the value of the contract and exchanging the collateral, everything directly on chain is that instead of doing it only once a day, you could actually do it multiple times a day. You could do it every hour if you wanted. So, uh, since volatility scales with the square root of time, you can calculate that essentially the market uh, for a given level of volatility is going to move 80% less in one hour than it can move like in a whole 24 hours. So your exposure to the other counterpart is much lower, which means you can then have less capital dedicated to maintaining these positions, freeing up capital for the banks to then go invest and, and generate income on other areas. From the end user perspective, uh, really, I mean, this, this boils down to like cheaper uh, service costs whenever you set up one of these contracts because the banks can actually charge lower commissions, assuming that they pass the savings on to the end users, uh, even that the holding the positions are now cheaper from a, a allocated risk capital perspective. So that is kind of like on the, on the fixed income side, but just kind of like to give the global view of all the things that Symbian works on. There's the agribusiness part of it. There's the mortgages part that I mentioned. There's a fixed, this, this fixed income currency and, and banking type of products. Uh, we have data management, which is a project with Vanguard. And we also have um, like alternative assets, which is my team. It's kind of like that catch-all and it includes several other things. In addition to that, we collaborate with an external group called the CBDC group, uh, which essentially leads efforts and conversations with central banks uh, to, to teach them all the technology and just kind of like brainstorm on, on, on how an how different architectures and implementation with Symbian would work for a central bank digital currency. Wow, that's um, that's very interesting. And, uh, and, you know, the most important thing is that, as you're saying, when uh, when transaction costs go down, it, it creates value for everyone in, you know, in the chain. So um, that's that's something that's so important. And and how do you like so going back to the mortgages, which are right now a, a such a um, an, you know on the on the table topic? What's uh, like to the regular listener that that is listening to us? What's the advantage of say doing establishing these products on the blockchain rather than and leaving them as they are in the traditional way. The traditional system as it works uh, because of the existing infrastructure is pretty much broken. From the end user perspective, you know, like somebody that actually has a mortgage, uh, it doesn't affect you until it just ruins your life. <laughs> what I mean by this is like you have a house, like you, got, you get your mortgage on the house, you're sending your interest payments every month. And then one day, one of the banks decides to sell the mortgage to another bank. You don't even know that the bank that gave you the mortgage sold it to another bank. You keep sending your payments and then because of the way the system's built, your payment arrives at your old bank and the old bank is like, ah, we 
sends it back or something or the payment then gets lost because it's not properly forwarded to the next bank. And what happens? Uh, you have a missed payment. And now your credit score shows that you missed the mortgage payment and now your credit score goes down. And now for you to fix it, it's a mess. Uh, same thing in a situation where like even if the bank keeps the mortgage and then they simply change the mortgage servicer, the mortgage servicer is the entity that is supposed to receive those payments and forward it to the proper bank. If somehow the bank decides, okay, I don't want to use this company, now I'm going to use this other one. When you send the payment, it may still arrive to the old one and the old one doesn't care anymore. So it, it's, it's just a disconnect. So when you put all this on the blockchain, especially in an architecture like, like assembly, what Symbion has, you can actually have what we call a secure channel for each of these mortgages. So it's a, it's a, it's a digital private space where only the bank, the mortgage servicer, and you can, can have access to the data about that mortgage. So any payments and everything are processed there. If at some point the bank sells the mortgage, that bank's taken out, and then a new bank gets added to the channel. That dynamic channel membership is something quite unique to our platform. So that idea that we can rotate in and out different entities within that channel. And then uh, another big, great thing about our platform is that we can actually store the documents directly on chain. In many other blockchains, you have the limitation that what you do is you take a hash, which is essentially almost like a signature of it, and put it on the blockchain. And then the actual document lives off chain somewhere. If that off-chain location happens to change, even if it's just like the, the URL link changed or like somehow the, the database was moved, now you have a broken link. And on the blockchain, it simply says, yeah, here's the document showing kind of like the mortgage terms, mm -hmm. but it's off-chain and you cannot get it. So there's no, there's no way of matching them. If the document actually lives directly on chain, you're never going to lose it. Oh, that's, uh, that definitely makes perfect sense. And I know that you have also uh, through the the agribusiness ventures that Symbiont has and your own personal experience, um, your opinion on the Latin American uh, blockchain ecosystem. What's, what's your opinion of, of the next or the catalyst that will make adoption go up in Latin America? I think, um, I mean, based on, on several conferences and just like uh, meetups and different meetings I've had with people in Latin America, uh, I think what is pending right now, and this is actually not only unique to Latin America, certain parts of the U.S. are actually like in, this, in the same scenario. There's really a lot of education uh, that is needed. And um, Latin America has had a lot of developments, uh, for example, for solutions on public blockchains. Mm -hmm. But their level of development in permission blockchains is very limited. Uh, I am not sure if that has been out of you know, just kind of like ideology, hey, public blockchains are the future, or if it's, uh, or if it's more than simply like, there has not been enough uh, marketing and push for permission blockchains. There, there is a misconception, where, I mean, it's slowly going away. There is a misconception that essentially like uh, permission blockchains were like the intranets in the late 80s or I mean, the 90s. Uh, and then uh, public blockchains are the internet. So essentially like in, intranets was the beginning and in the future you have uh, the, the internet. That is not the case when it comes to blockchains. First of all, it's, it's, it's a bad comparison because the blockchains themselves run on the internet. Uh, and if that comparison was true, that would mean that really when you go on a website, everybody's holding a copy of that website. The internet is actually a collection of centralized databases, and the servers are serving you that information. Not everybody has a copy of everything. It's just, it's just a bad, it's, it's, it's just a bad comparison. On top of that, 
um, th there's a there's a very different use case for public blockchains versus permission blockchains. Public blockchains are meant for simple token transfers, and then permission blockchains allow higher scalability, speed, and, and more complex logic uh, to be to be implemented. So you, you cannot really compare them. If you're talking just about like tokens, like Bitcoin or, or like very basic uh, logic implemented on Ethereum and stuff, yes, sure. But when you're talking, for example, in the case of mortgages, that is something that it needs to be facilitated with a, with a more rich platform that can also be able, uh, that can also have that necessary storage on chain and the manage, management of privacy. So I think in, going back to the point of Latin America, I think Latin America is lacking exposure to this. That said, Latin America has something very interesting, which is there's a project called Lackchain. Uh, Lackchain is actually deploying a multi-purpose permission blockchain to be used by multiple government entities and companies. So this was set up, I believe it was by the Inter-American Development Bank. And it's meant to be kind of like an industry utility where anybody can plug in to, to build stuff on it. So that's a great first step. And that is actually something that we have not seen in the U.S. In the U.S., when you're talking about like a general purpose ledger, it, it is really like the, the domain of, of public blockchain. So it's actually really nice to see that Latin America is already having those efforts on the permission side. Uh, but, but it's very early stage. And, and depending on the architecture used, there's limitations. Oh, that's, uh, that's something that uh, that's so important. And uh, I uh, think that uh, it, will, it will definitely make a difference because when you have a supra, supranational uh, kind of institution facilitating these, these kind of uh, steps, that's, that's something that speeds the process up big time. Yeah, and, and it, it brings some level of credibility to it because otherwise uh, banks and governments may not want to join a, a, a blockchain project because another misconception is that blockchain means cryptocurrency and blockchain and cryptocurrency are very different. Uh, blockchain happens to be the technology that is behind cryptocurrencies. But at the same time, the, the, the real link between these two is that if you're a blockchain with unknown entities running the processing of transactions, running the nodes, you need a way of incentivizing all the strangers. And the way you do that is via cryptocurrency. And permission blockchains, permission blockchains don't need to incentivize strangers because these are all known entities collaborating and cooperating within this, this, um, this network. Because you don't need a cryptocurrency, uh, the, the, there's really like, uh, essentially like cryptocurrencies have no place in, in a permission blockchain. While cryptocurrencies are actually running public blockchains. And that, that is a misconception. Like blockchain itself is the distributed database technology that can be used to a lot of things. And then when you apply it to public blockchains and by public, I mean unknown entities, you require the cryptocurrency to be able to motivate a bunch of strangers to collaborate. For sure. And I'm happy that you mentioned this because these are differences that, um, and, and perceptions that need to be changed uh, for, um, for um, our listeners so that they are, they have made that distinction. And um, now I'm wondering, what are your futures plan in plans uh, in, in blockchain, and how do you see yourself in say in five years in Symbiont? Maybe building a, a side project. So I think like the, the, the talk, talking personal, I think like the way probably like my career is gonna evolve. Uh, so first of all, I, I love all the projects that we're building at Symbiont. Like I feel there's uh, what I like about working here is kind of like the 
the, the, the quality of clients that we that we work with, like we're talking like the largest uh, global custodian banks, the, you know, large, well-known uh, banks in the in the sector and infrastructure providers. So it's actually like, you know, that if you're able to convince these parties to like work on something on blockchain, you're transforming the financial industry landscape. Even working with smaller companies like Rainchain, you're transforming the way um, like the agribusiness is, is, is performing in Latin America and like in, in, in the world. So you actually have a lot of, I feel that there's a lot of weight and, and leverage on, on the work that I'm doing. Um, I mean, like everything, I, I think like my ideal long-term scenario is one where I keep uh, working on building these systems, whether it's something like within Symbiont or maybe uh, in the future moving past Symbiont and just like helping continue to develop uh, this technology elsewhere. Uh, there's a lot of education that needs to be done. I actually started teaching courses on uh, architecture and, and blockchain taxonomy. I did this as a way of, of it, it started with some, some meetups here in, 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 in the US and then it expanded to, to some other uh, formal trainings in Latin America. And now I'm actually working with the university in Costa Rica to expand giving like a, like a formal training. But I think like, kind of like, what I see myself doing in the long term is both designing systems and also educating. There's a lot to be. Uh, it's it's a new it's a new technology growing very fast, and I think it's important to create frameworks that people can. And I'm talking like everyday people. It doesn't need to be technical, so that people can actually understand how this technology work, understand what applies when and how. Because blockchain is not one technology. Blockchain is not just two technologies, public and permission. Blockchain is a myriad of technologies. Um, so I think it's important for people to understand, you know, literally that the tens, if not hundreds of different like architectures possible and understand the pros and cons to know when something applies or not. Because uh, one of my one of my concerns is that, I mean, we've already had probably like a good five years of proof of concepts here and there. And if you go and look back, a lot of those proof of concepts that were uh, announced two or three years back, they haven't grown, they haven't expanded. It's kind of like a one-time thing. So what happened? In some cases, that technology was not mature enough. In other cases, they realized that, yeah, this, this is something nice, but it just doesn't scale. Mm-hmm. Um, so was it because the technology was not mature? So the question is, is it mature now? Or the question is, was it just that they chose the wrong technology back then, and that's why it didn't scale? Had they used something, let's say, like like a, like a permission network, like a Symbionts assembly platform, would, would that have had the potential to actually expand and by now would have something big? So a, a good example of that is a couple of years ago, we actually deployed a network uh, with Vanguard. Vanguard has been running a network along with CRSP, the financial index providers. This has been, this was announced already like more than two years ago. By now, this network has been running for over two years and Vanguard has been using it to, um, to rebalance 1.5 trillion worth of, of funds that they have. So this is, this is a lot of money, a lot of assets that they're managing, and it's been running on a blockchain for over two years. And these are kind of like the successful use cases that nobody knows about. Uh, and it was announced, and there's been no announcement since because it's it's working, and Vanguard's happy with it, and that's it. But but aside from this, I really don't. I mean, it's really probably less than five projects like that that I can think of of things that were announced that there was actually kind of like a like a strong uh, like follow through. Yeah, for sure. That, but that's it's excellent that you're mentioning that, and I, I think it's impressive because Vanguard, when it comes to ETFs and mutual funds, is I would say the premier institution out there. So it's important that people know um, that um, there's 
there's actually, you know, large, one of the largest financial companies in North America for sure, and maybe in the world as well, that, uh, that are working with this. That's a, it's a very important point. And I'm wondering what is your message for people that still um, over here in North America and in Latin America that look at um, especially uh, blockchain with suspicion, what, uh, what would be your message uh, and to, these, to all these uh, listeners? Mm -hmm. Uh, my message would be suspicion is great. It's, it's very important to be skeptical. Uh, but at the same time, there needs to be kind of like the, the counterweight of it's good to be skeptical, but it's just as good to be curious and actually like put in the work to learn and educate yourself. Um, it's, it's very simple to simply say like, oh, I've heard there's a lot of scams in cryptocurrencies and, and I've heard that some blockchain projects that just don't take off. The question is why? Understand why some projects ended up being scams, why some things they didn't like pick up, and then do the, do the homework of also looking what were the successful projects, what was good about them, what was different about their architecture. Um, I mean, we live in a world, of course, where like negative news is what sells. Uh, the positive news is not something that sells. It's like, ah, well, what's the big deal? So again, like going back to the Vanguard project, nobody cares, like what's going to be the news? Vanguard's still running that network. That's, that's not impressive. It's more impressive when it's like, hey, uh, XYZ company just got hacked and lost $60 million. That is kind of like what makes the headlines. So you need to put an extra effort to educate yourself to understand what are the good use cases and why. And I think in blockchain, something that sometimes people tend to forget is before you even start designing a system, the most important thing is identify your key stakeholders and start thinking about the governance of the platform. Blockchain is applied in situations when you have multiple data silos, with multiple participants, multiple writers and readers of the data that are gonna be sharing data and logic and there's gonna be complex workflows. So in those type of scenarios, knowing your key stakeholders and knowing your governance upfront is super important. And I've seen a lot of times in blockchain that people try to come up with these really like creative and, and they think new governance systems. Governance existed way before blockchain. Governance, we've had this like, for decades, well, literally for, for, for centuries, actually, if you think about it, it's just a way of like people like coming to an agreement. So it is important to do your homework, even outside of the scope of blockchain to understand how systems in which you have multiple parties collaborating, how that works. Because in many cases, blockchains have fall, blockchain prices have fallen apart, not even because of that technology, but because of bad governance. And governance is not not even blockchain related. <laughs> it's an old topic. You can find old dusty books that can like, teach you a lot about it so i think it again goes back to do your homework learn the bad things and learn the good things and then you can have kind of like an educated perspective to understand when things work and when things are probably not going to work well that's um, that's a good summary and definitely i agree 100 with you so i hope that our listeners take uh action into all your prompts because it's definitely important and thank you so much for your time i know that you are very busy and we appreciate it that uh, you have taken the time to uh, walk us through what symbiote is about and what uh, what we can do from here to to help the ecosystem grow more and more thank you so much Perfect. thank you guys